Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you so, so much for listening. I have three parts for you today. In part one, I'll review our Primavera match against Inter on Friday. In part two, I'll review our Femenile match against Empoli on Sunday. And in part three, I'll very, very quickly preview our match against Leicester City on Thursday. So let's start with the Primavera match against Inter. Inter came into this match sitting in 8th place, but they were only 4 points behind us in 2nd place. Other than Roma at the top of the table, the Primavera has been so competitive this season that every round the table shuffles. Inter had a record of 4 wins, 3 draws, and 3 losses, so it's been a bit of an up and down season for them so far. They lost only one of their first 7 matches, then they lost back-to-back matches before beating Pescara to get back on track. One thing we had going in our favor was that Inter played the Coppa Italia midweek, so you would think that they would have some tired legs. Meanwhile, Frustalupi recovered three key players for this match, Davide Costanzo, Antonio Trofi, and Giuseppe Ambrosino. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Inter is coached by ex-player Christian Kivu. He lined up in a 4-3-1-2 with William Rovida in goal. Alessandro Fantarosa and Andrea Moretti started at centre-back. Andrea Pelamati started at left-back and Alessandro Silvestro started at right-back. Matthews Cecchini-Muller started in the centre of the midfield with Silas Anderson to his left and Cesare Casade to his right. Up top, Nikola Ilyev played as the trequartista in behind Martin Satriano and Denis Curatolo. For Napoli, 
Pistolesi didn't make many changes to the squad he fielded in the previous round against Lecce. He lined up in his usual 3-4-2-1 formation with Hubert Dasiak in goal. Benedetto Barba started in the center of the back three with Davide Costanzo to his left and Daniel Hisai to his right. Costanzo was one of those changes. Alessandro Spavone and Colisacco started together in the center of the midfield. Matteo Marquisano played on the left side of the midfield and Domenico Di Donna started on the right side of the midfield. And as usual, with Antonio Cioffi and Giuseppe Ambrosino back in the squad, Cioffi and Giuseppe D'Agostino played as the two trequartisti behind Ambrosino at striker. So those were the starting lineups. Next, let's get to the match. The match was pretty exciting right from the opening kickoff. Inter got the first chance of the match from a corner kick in the opening minute. Iliev played an outswinging corner which Fantarosa headed towards the bottom corner but Costanzo was there to clear the ball off the line. Napoli came right back the other way and we got our first chance in the second minute of the match. Marquisano carried across midfield before squaring the ball to Ambrosino. He took a few touches through a few Inter players before firing from outside the area but his shot narrowly missed the far post. So two minutes into the match, both teams had decent opportunities to score. A few minutes later, Napoli had a bit of a scare. Hisai went up for a header against Anderson. On his way down, Hisai landed on Anderson's leg, and the way he fell, I thought for sure he injured his knee. Fortunately, he was able to continue playing. In fact, he played the full 90 minutes. Inter got their next chance in the 8th minute after Curatolo dispossessed Marquisano on Inter's right wing. Curatolo played an excellent cross into the area. Satriano won the header but he got under the ball and in the end it ended up over the bar. As the half wore on, Inter started to look the more threatening side. Just moments after Satriano bounced his shot wide of the mark, Inter opened the scoring. The goal came from a corner kick which Sacco headed clear. Cecchini played a looping header back into the area and Cassade was the first to the ball. He headed past the Dasiak to put Inter ahead 1-0. Satriano continued to seek out his goal. At the half hour mark, he played the ball out wide to Palamati who crossed the ball back into the area. Once again, Satriano won the header and once again, the shot finished just over the bar. Inter were definitely looking like the stronger side. They didn't seem to need any help from the official but they got it anyway just 5 minutes before the break. Sacco had the ball just inside the Inter half. He passed it off and then was clipped by Iliev, which he did not like. And I don't blame Sacco for being upset. Iliev looked like he did that intentionally with the official turned the other way. Sacco turned and pushed Iliev on the shoulder. Now, I know you can't do that and if you do, you risk getting sent off. But Iliev made a complete meal of it. He threw himself to the ground and in that moment, the official who was watching the play on the other side of the field turned his head. So what he saw was Iliev go flying and then rolling around in agony. I don't know why the linesman didn't intervene because he would have had a much better view of the situation. This was at most a yellow card offense, but instead, Sacco was shown a straight red. That obviously affected the rest of the match. In Inter's defense, though, the official was equally poor for both teams. In the first minute of stoppage time, Hisai was defending Satriano 1v1. Hisai, who was the last man back, clearly tripped over his own feet, so Satriano would have had a chance to break, but before he could even collect the ball, the official blew the whistle for a foul, which was another really terrible call. So the first half ended with Inter up both a goal and a man. Inter took full advantage of their numerical advantage in the second half. They dominated the ball and they nearly doubled their lead only 6 minutes after the restart. Iliev played a give and go with Cassidy before attempting the shot but his effort finished just wide of the mark. Then we had a very scary moment in the match. In the 56th minute Napoli won a corner kick which was played to the back post. 
Costanzo went for the volley and at the same time Pelamati tried to head the ball out. Unfortunately Costanzo inadvertently kicked Pelamati in the head and I apologize if this is too graphic or comes off as insensitive but the best way I can describe it is that it was similar to in mixed martial arts when a fighter knocks out his opponent with a kick. Pelamati lost consciousness immediately on impact and fell to the ground. The fall is arguably more dangerous than the kick if the head hits the ground. Fortunately the way Pelamati fell he did not appear to hit his head on the ground, or at least he did not hit it that hard. The medics immediately rushed to the field. In fact, it was Napoli's medical staff who got there first. Pelamati was put on a stretcher and taken away in an ambulance, presumably to go to the hospital. The reports were that Pelamati did regain consciousness before he was stretchered off, and all indications are that he's going to be okay. Some Inter players were understandably shaken from the incident, which is completely understandable. It's hard enough to witness something like that as an adult, let alone as a teenager. I thought Kivu did the right thing by removing Anderson, who was quite noticeably upset. After the match, Inter issued an official press release thanking Napoli's medical staff, specifically Drs. Angelo Giuffredi and Raffaele Canonico. So in the span of about a week, each of these clubs thanked the medical teams of the other. After the Osman collision with Screenyard, Napoli thanked Inter Sporting Director Beppe Marotta and Dr. Piero Volpi for their swift action. That's great to see and really how it should be. There are no sides in the medical profession, so kudos to everyone involved. The match did eventually resume and it was basically more of the same with Inter dominating the play and creating the chances. In the 65th minute, Moretti played a long ball towards the area. Neither Hisai nor Barba were able to clear the danger. Instead, the ball fell for Curatolo. He hit the ball low and hard, but Idasek was there to make the save. Moments later, Napoli got a huge break. D'Agostino played a lovely backheel past Marquisano on the left wing. He played a low ball into the area where substitute Antonio Vergara was fouled by Cecchini. So Napoli were awarded a penalty, but back to the poor officiating. From the replay, there appeared to be very little contact, so perhaps this was a makeup call for the red card on Sacco. Ambrosino stepped up to take the penalty but it was really poorly taken. For some reason he lined up on the right side of the ball and then right before he shot he moved over to the left. I think he might have thrown himself off more than he threw the keeper off with that approach. The result was a shot that was way too central. Credit to Rovina for guessing correctly though and for making the save. The play wasn't over there though. The rebound went straight back to Ambrosino and on his second attempt he hit the bar. You just felt like that was Napoli's chance to equalize and then after that they could have defended the draw. We know how resolute Napoli's defense have been this season when defending one goal leads. Instead, Inter put this game away in the 73rd minute. Substitute Christian Dervishi played the ball down the line to Coratolo. He got past Hisai running towards the byline before passing the ball across the face of the goal. Satriano beat Didona to the ball and tapped in a well-deserved goal. Satriano nearly scored again with a lovely volley in the 7th minute of stoppage time but Idasia kept that one out with a bit of an awkward save but in the end it didn't matter. Napoli never really looked like they stood much of a chance after Sacco was dismissed. Remarkably, Napoli somehow managed to remain in 2nd place. Inter pulled within a point with the win. Fiorentina and Torino both drew so they also pulled within a point of us on 18 points. Juventus and Empoli drew their respective matches as well so they are both two points back of us along with Genoa who beat Hellas Verona. Sampdoria lost to Roma, Sassuolo beat Bologna and Cagliari were the team that tied Torino so all three of those teams are on 16 points. That means that after 11 rounds Roma have opened up an 8 point gap at the top of the table 
but still only three points separate Napoli in second from Cagliari in 11th. Speaking of which, the Azzurini will be visiting Sardinia on Saturday to take on Cagliari. That will do for part one. In part two, we'll review our latest Femminile match. Welcome to part two of the Forza Napoli podcast. Next, let's review our Femminile match against Empoli on Sunday. The Femminile had been on an international break for three weeks prior to this match, so let me quickly remind you of where we left off. Napoli were sitting third from the bottom of the table with only seven points through nine matches. That was enough to get Alessandro Pistolesi sacked, which I thought was pretty harsh. I don't think I'd be biased in saying that the officiating cost us at least two points this season, if not more. We've also had a tough schedule. Our final two matches in the first half of the season are against direct rivals, including this one. And Pistolesi's squad was nearly replaced in its entirety in the summer. But we can't change that. The club made their decision, and shortly after sacking Pistolesi, they announced the signing of ex-Florentia coaches Giulia Domenichetti and Roberto Castorina. Surely the club's logic was if they make these changes when they did, that would give the new coaches three weeks to prepare for what was probably our most important match of the season. That's because Empoli came into this match only one point clear of us on eight points, which meant the winner of this match would be out of the relegation zone. In case you're not aware, Serie A Femminile currently has 12 teams, but the league will be becoming a professional league next season, and the number of teams will be reduced to 10. That means three teams will be relegated this season instead of the usual two. This match was played at home in Cercola, but it certainly wasn't going to be easy. We were missing some important weapons in the attack. Sola James was serving the final game of her three-match suspension for the red card she got after the Sampdoria match. We were also without Depi Chatsi Nicolau, who's been struggling with injuries all season. She was one of our four players to play for their countries during the international break, so I wonder if she re-aggravated the injury while on international duty. The other players to leave on the break were Sola, Evi Popadinova, and Kaya Ertzin, so the latter of the two would have had less time to learn the new system ahead of this match. So with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Empoli lined up in a 4-4-2 with Alessia Capaletti in goal, Anna Noll and Margarita Bercic started at centre-back, Sara Mella played at left-back and ex-Napoli player Elisabetta Oliviero played at right-back, Cecilia Prugna and Melissa Bellucci played in the centre of the midfield, Norma Cinotti started on the left side of the midfield and Aurora Derita played on the right. Finally, Asia Bragonzi and another ex-Napoli player Isota Noki played as the dual strikers. For Napoli, Domenichetti lined up in a 4-2-3-1 with Yolanda Aguirre in goal. Emily Garnier and Paola Di Marino started at centre-back. Kaya Ertzen played at right-back for the second time this season. She's mostly played on the right side of the midfield or on the right side of the attack, whether as the right winger or as a secondo punta. Sedia Bramson played at left-back. Saratui and Eleonora Goldoni played in the double pivot. Martina Tognolo started on the left wing, and for the first time, Francesca Imprezzabile started on the right wing. She typically plays at right-back. Madalena Porcarelli played in the number 10, and Evi Popidinova started at striker. So those were the starting lineups, next let's get to the match. Napoli came out rocking our brand new third kit, which is bright green with a bit of a camo pattern to it. The pattern gives it a similar look to the men's goalkeeper kit. Paired with the black shorts and socks, it actually looked pretty good. 
So we looked great, but we certainly did not start great. Empoli got the first chance of the match less than a minute in. Di Marino lost the ball in a very dangerous area in our own half. Bragonzi picked it up, touched the ball to Oliviero, and she fired on target, but Aguirre made the save. Empoli definitely had the stronger start, and they were rewarded for their positive play in the 12th minute. Mella played the ball over the top to Prunia. She did well to win the battle with Garnier. Then she cut in and played a perfect in-swinging cross from the left wing. It was just barely out of the reach of Di Marino, but the star on this goal had to be Bragonzi. She not only controlled the ball really well with her chest, but directed it into the open space. Then when Aguirre came out to challenge, Bragonzi calmly lobbed the ball over the keeper with her left boot. It was a beautiful palonetto, and just like that, Empoli were ahead 1-0. We really struggled to defend the cross in this match. Only 4 minutes later, Oliviero crossed the ball into the area again, and this time it was out of the reach of Garnier. Bragonzi must have expected Garnier to clear that ball out because she seemed a little caught off guard when the ball got to her. She had the open shot, but she needed over the bar. Napoli were really struggling to create chances. The only shot on target that I recall was a long-distance effort by Porcarelli about midway through the half, but she was disrupted by Bragonzi, and the ball landed comfortably in the arms of Capaletti. Like I said, Empoli were clearly the better side in the first half, and I think it was largely because of individual errors from our back line. In the 26th minute, Garnier cleared the ball straight to Noki at the edge of the area, which led to another shot on target, but it was straight at Aguirre. Napoli's best chance in the first half came in the 36th minute and it started with a throw-in to Sara Tui near the right corner flag. She played an excellent cross into the area and Popedinova won the header over Bursic but wasn't able to keep it down. Empoli should have doubled their lead on the break in stoppage time. Prunia played a chip pass to Bragonzi. Once again, she took the ball down really well on her chest and then she played a gorgeous through ball to Chinotti. She had only the keeper to beat but she blasted her shot well over the bar, but either way, Empoli took a deserved 1-0 lead into the break. Napoli made one change at the half, which was to replace Tognolo with Emma Severini. I thought that was a smart change. Tognolo was rather quiet in the first half, and Severini looked quite lively when she came on. That change facilitated a change in formation from the 4-2-3-1 to a 4-4-2, which seemed to work as well. We responded really well at the start of the second half. Only 5 minutes in, Goldoni was very nearly all alone with the keeper, but she was taken down just outside the area. She took the free kick herself and blasted it straight into the wall, but the ball fell for Ertzen just outside the area. She put a powerful shot on target, but Capaletti made a fine save to keep it out. Napoli got another chance a minute later after Severini again intercepted a pass towards the touchline. Porcarelli headed the ball to Goldoni, but her shot towards the near post was stopped by Capaletti again. Napoli continued to push forward and test Capaletti, and the keeper continued to answer the call. We were pressing higher and winning the ball back in the Empoli half. In the 58th minute, Popadinova intercepted an Empoli pass, this time on the right wing. She played the ball down the line to Ertzen. Ertzen took a few touches before playing the return pass to Popadinova in the area. She shot from a tight angle, but Capaletti was well positioned to make the save. Domenichetti and Castorina made two more changes in the 65th minute. They replaced Imprezzabile with Sofia Colombo and Porcarelli with Ariana Acuti. I thought both of those changes made sense as well. If I'm being honest, I'm surprised Imprezzabile started in the first place, but I guess they wanted to try her out on the wing. Both Colombo and Acuti have been very good this season, so we'll have to see if they can play themselves back into the starting 11. Ironically, our best chance of the match was what was nearly an own goal. With about 10 minutes left to play, Di Marino played a long ball to midfield. Popadinova dropped deep and flicked her header forward. 
With Akuti barreling forward, Bellucci tried to pass the ball back to Capaletti, but the pass was more like a shot on target. Capaletti was off her line, and she had to make a ridiculous diving header to prevent the own goal. That was our final chance of the match. Empoli did get another chance in the 83rd minute after Bellucci played the ball out wide to Oliviero. She played another dangerous ball into the area. Oliviero was tormenting Abramson all match on that Empoli right wing. The cross found Bragonzi in a great position at the back post, but Aguida was quick off her line to close Bragonzi down and make the save. Unfortunately for Empoli fans, Bragonzi had to be removed with an injury a few minutes later, which was a tough loss because she was the player of the match for me. In truth, I'm not sure if she was in fact hurt or if this was just to kill the clock a little bit because we saw a lot of that from Empoli in the second half. A player would stay down, the medics would come out, give them some treatment, and then they would resume playing again. In the end though, Empoli did what they had to do to get a very important win away from home. So with the loss, we remained in 10th place on 7 points. Empoli moved up to 8th position, overtaking Pomigliano who lost 3-1 to Fiorentina. Daniela Sabatino scored a brace to tie Valentina Giacinti for Capocannoniere with 7 goals. Lazio got their first win of the season beating Hellas Verona, so we still have a bit of a gap ahead of Lazio. Verona have only 1 point on the season and it was a draw against us, which is a result we might regret come the end of the season. Meanwhile, at the top of the table, Milan won the derby 3-0, scoring all 3 goals in the first 33 minutes. Roma beat Sampdoria 2-1 on a 92nd minute own goal by Debra Novellino, and Juve won the match of the round, beating 2nd place Sassuolo 2-0. They've now opened up a 6 point gap at the top of the table, so Juve have basically already won the Scudetto. There's no time to look back though, our next match will now be our most important match of the season. We play next against Pomigliano, who are only one point ahead of us. So once again, the winner of that match will find themselves outside of the relegation zone. That will do for part two. In part three, we'll very quickly preview our match against Leicester City on Thursday. Welcome to part 3 of the Forza Napoli podcast. We'll close the podcast with a very quick preview of our match on Thursday against Leicester City. Hopefully you get to hear this before the match. I know I left this preview rather late. The reason this will be a quick preview is because I was a guest on the Leicester Fan TV YouTube show on Wednesday. So if you want a bit of a longer preview, be sure to check that out. Just head over to YouTube and search Leicester Fan TV and you can find it there. 
what I'm going to do here is just pick out some of the highlights from that episode. So this is basically a Coles Notes version for you. So let's get started. For those who don't follow the Premier League, Leicester are having a disappointing season. Like Napoli, Leicester finished last season just one point away from Champions League qualification and their fate was decided on the final match day of the season. But like we failed to get a result against Hellas Verona, they failed to get a result against Tottenham. This season, they've tumbled down the table, currently sitting in 11th place. That's the consequence of pretty much losing all of their big matches. They've lost to West Ham, Manchester City, Chelsea, and Arsenal. It's also the result of drawing against teams like Burnley, Crystal Palace, Leeds, and Southampton, who are all in the bottom half of the table. In fact, the highest placed teams out of those four is Palace in 14th. That's a situation we know all too well. We dropped that low two seasons ago, and what we know is when that happens people start to call for the manager's head. It was quite apparent to me during this interview that the Leicester fan base is quite divided between Brandon in and Brandon out. Of course, the Brandon we're talking about is Brandon Rogers. It was interesting reading the comments during the show because the Leicester fan base is actually not that different from ours. Quite a few of them are expecting the worst. One of the topics of conversation was the recent COVID outbreak at the club. According to Rogers, seven players are not traveling to Napoli either because they have COVID or because they are ill. Those players are center backs Yannick Vestergaard, Daniel Amarty, and Philip Benkovic, right back Vante Daly Campbell, and forwards Ayosi Perez, Kalechi Nacho, and Adamola Lukman. Now, Lukman is the only regular starter of those seven players. Ayosi Perez plays quite a bit, and Daniel Amarty has been used in rotation at center back. Leicester's usual starting 11 is pretty much intact though, so with that, let's get to the starting lineups. Rodgers will likely line up in a 4-2-3-1 with Kasper Schmeichel in goal. Johnny Evans and Kagler Soyuncu will start at centre-back. Luke Thomas will play at left-back and ex-Atalanta player Timothy Castagna will play at right-back. Wilfried Ndidi and Bubakari Samari are the usual starters in the double pivot. Yuri Tielemans has returned from injury, but Jack from Leicester Fan TV doesn't expect him to start. Harvey Barnes will start on the left wing, but I'm curious to see who starts on the right wing. Luckman is the regular starter, but he's amongst those seven players who are ruled out. Yosi Perez would be a filling backup, but he is also out. I asked Jack if perhaps Pats and Daka would play on the right wing because we saw Rodgers do that against Aston Villa at the weekend. He rested Vardy and started Daka in the nine, but because Villa were winning, he put Vardy on, shifted Daka to the right wing, and removed Luckman. Jack suggested that it's more likely that Mark Albrighton will start on the right wing instead. James Madison will play in the 10, and as I said, Jamie Vardy was rested for most of that Villa match, so he will be fresh to play as striker in this one. For Napoli, Luciano Spalletti is forced once again to play a very limited squad. None of our players with muscle injuries are in the squad. That includes Lorenzo Insigne, Andre Frank Zamboangisa, Fabian Ruiz, Kalidou Koulibaly, and Stanislav Lobotka. Now, Kostas Manolas has recovered, but even if he's in the squad, I don't expect him to start. He hasn't played a competitive match since September 23rd, so I think he'll start on the bench. In goal, I think we'll continue to see Alex Medet get the nod, but I'm not terribly confident in that prediction. Medet is our usual starter in the Europa League, but given the importance of this match, I wouldn't be shocked if Ospina started. I'm expecting Spalletti to use a very similar squad to the one he fielded against Atalanta, which means a 3-4-3 formation. I think we'll see the same back line of Giovanni Di Lorenzo, Amir Rachmani, and Juan Jesus at centre-back. Diego Deme would start over the injured Stanislav Lobotka, alongside Piotr Zielinski in the centre of the midfield, although we could see Elmas start over Zielinski. 
Mario Rui would play on the left side of the midfield, and Kevin Malqui would play on the right side. The front three is a little bit tricky. I think we could see the exact same front three we saw against Atalanta. We could also see Lozano start on the left wing and Politano on the right wing, and I think we'll see the latter. Finally, given we've had an extra day of rest and he only played 67 minutes against Atalanta, I think Dries Mertens will start at striker with Andrea Petania providing an option off the bench. However, I have seen a lot of probable formations that include Petania over Mertens. So those are the starting lineups. I'll close the preview with a couple of quick points I picked up from my conversation with Leicester Fan TV. First, a lot of Leicester fans are saying that all we need to do is win corner kicks to win this match. Leicester are apparently very poor when it comes to defending set pieces. I watched Leicester's most recent match to prepare for this preview, which was against Aston Villa, and both of Aston Villa's goals came from set pieces. In fact, both were crosses played to the back post. The first was headed back into the danger area before Ezri Kanza headed into the bottom corner. Kanza scored the second goal with another header directly from a corner kick. Villa actually had a third goal in this match that was ruled out, and it too was a cross played to the back post. On the show, I said this is like the unstoppable force versus the immovable object, but for all the wrong reasons. Leicester are clearly poor at defending set pieces, and as we know, Napoli are notoriously poor at executing them. Now, we have been much better from set pieces under Spalletti this season, but literally all of our tall players, with the exception of Juan Jesus and Amir Rachmani, are hurt, so I think we're really going to struggle in the air. I also asked Jack about Leicester City's approach to matches and he said they don't really have one. He said they play a very slow game and they seem to enjoy playing the ball all the way back to the keeper. That sounds awfully familiar to me. I think that will play into our favor because as we saw against Atalanta, even with our reserve team, we will still press high and try to win the ball back in Leicester's half, especially playing at home. What concerns me the most is the ball over the top like we saw with Duvan Zapata at the weekend. Jamie Vardy is 34 years old but he still has plenty of pace and as I noted he's well rested for this match. The same would apply for Pat Sindaka whether he plays in the 9 which I think is highly unlikely or even worse if he plays on the right wing. For my prediction, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Napoli win. I'll give the goals to Chucky Lozano and Eli Felmas, whereas for Leicester City I'll give the goal to James Madison. Even though the Maradona won't be sold out, I think playing at home will give us the slight advantage we need to win this match. I'm really hoping we win this match just to silence the critics who criticized Serie A after Milan lost to Liverpool's reserve team. With all due respect to Leicester City, I don't think their reserve team is anywhere near the quality of Liverpool's, especially with the COVID outbreak. I also think there's a huge gap in quality between Liver and Leicester in general, whereas there is almost no gap between Napoli and Milan. The last thing I need is for another English team to beat an Italian team and then to hear the so-called pundits on BT Sport talk about how embarrassing Serie A clubs are. So that will do for this preview and that will also do for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you liked what you heard, please share it with a friend and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. As always, if you need to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5 or you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Pod. I'll be back later in the week to review this match and to preview our next one, which is against Empoli. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.